What is going on everybody? This is Dude from In The Mix Sports Radio. And we're gonna do week 5 of the XFL today. We're gonna do the updated standings. We're gonna take a look at the week 5 schedule. The betting lines. And we're gonna also look at the leaders in all the different categories through the first four weeks go over who's been in the MVP conversation so far and talk about Landry Jones and his injury that he suffered how many weeks he'll be out and how that affects the Dallas Renegades moving forward and we'll start with the updated standings and in the East, the St. Louis Battlehawks are standing atop the division at 3-1. and one. A major reason for that is the plus 4 touchdown differential. They've scored 11 times this season. They've given up 7 touchdowns. Their defense has gotten better. They're 2-0 at home. 1-2 on the road. But they've won their last two. To take over the lead. The D.C. defenders are on a bit of a slide. They're 2-2 with a minus 4 touchdown differential. They've scored 8 times. They've given up 12 scores. They're 2-0 at home. But 0-2 on the road. They've lost their last two. And it hasn't been pretty. The New York Guardians. Are also 2-2. With a minus three touchdown differential. They've scored five touchdowns. They've given up eight. They're 2-0 at home. 0-2 on the road. But they got to win this past weekend and they're right in the thick of the playoff conversation again the Tampa Bay Vipers are 1-3 they have a minus 2 touchdown differential after a big week they've scored 7 times they've given up 9 scores their defense has also gotten better they're 1-1 at home 0-2 on the road but they're coming off a big win And possibly a season-changing win. In the West, you have the cream of the crop of the entire XFL. The Houston Roughnecks at 4-0. They have a plus-5 touchdown differential. They've scored 16 times. They've given up 11 scores. They're a little shaky on defense sometimes. But they're still undefeated. They're 2-2 at home, 2-2. 2-0 at home, 2-0 on the road. They've won four straight, and it doesn't look like they're going to slow down. We'll get into that more in the week four review. Right now, they are the best team in the league, and it doesn't look like anybody's going to catch them anytime soon. In second place, the Dallas Renegades. 2-2 two two with a minus one touchdown differential. They've scored eight touchdowns. They've given up nine. 
They're 0-2 at home. They're 2-0 on the road. They've lost one straight. They also lost their starting quarterback. We'll also cover that in the week four review and what that means moving forward. It could be a big blow. If it does affect them, they could free fall. The LA Wildcats are in third. They're one in three. They have a plus two touchdown differential. They've scored 12 times. They've given up 10 scores. They're one and one at home, 0 and two on the road. They have a one game losing streak. They are the only team in the league with a plus touchdown differential and only one win. And it's shocking. They haven't won more games. They took a bad loss to a New York Guardians team who was in a free fall in week four. They have to figure out something because they're a better team than their record has shown. The Seattle Dragons are one in three. They have a minus one touchdown differential. They've scored nine times. They've given up ten scores. They're one and one at home. 0 and two on the road. They've lost their last two. And I say it every week. It seems like they just need to upgrade the quarterback. If they figure out the quarterback situation, they could be a problem for the rest of the division and the league as a whole. This week's slate of games, it seems pretty exciting, except for the opening game on Saturday. That's at 2 p.m. on ABC. It's the Seattle Dragons at the Houston Roughnecks. The line is Houston minus 13. The over-under is 45 and a half. I think Houston covers. And I also think the over-hits here. Houston is way better than Seattle. Seattle has plenty of issues. And they're going on the road. Against the best team in the entire league. I don't think they have an answer for Houston this week. The second game on Saturday. That's at 5pm on Fox. It's the New York Guardians at the Dallas Renegades. Going into this game last week. You would have thought that Dallas... Would have steamrolled the Guardians With the loss of Landry Jones And Luis Perez Stepping up and doing what was needed For his offense The Guardians have a real shot here To pull the upset on the road Dallas is a minus 8 That's a big line for a team That just lost its starting quarterback. And we don't know what to expect from them. I understand the Guardians have been up and down. 
But if Perez plays his game and just keeps things simple, that rushing attack could do some damage. And the Guardians defense is a serious defense. They they come to play week in and week out. All they need is Perez to manage the game. If he does that, the Guardians could pull the upset. The over-under in that game is 37. If you're going to bet the under looks good here. But New York plus eight seems like the better play. Dallas is at home, yes. But they did lose their starting quarterback. That's a big issue. Because we don't know what their team is going to look like. We don't know how much Landry Jones actually meant to that offense. And how the guys in the locker room respond to him. So... The play here would be the under or the Guardians plus eight. Now on Sunday, this looked like a game that could produce a lot of fireworks. The St. Louis Battlehawks travel to D.C. to take on the defenders after the first two weeks it looked like DC was one of the top two or three teams in the league they've collapsed Cardale Jones looks awful the last two weeks the offense just looks out of sync the offensive coordinator looks like he forgot what he was doing they just don't look like the same team it's affected both sides of the ball the defense has been struggling and St. Louis they're hot right now even on the road they're the better team right now And they should be able to pull this victory off. St. Louis is favored by three and a half on the road. For the same reason that I've mentioned. Cardale Jones has looked terrible. He doesn't even look competent. And that St. Louis defense. They're a bunch of vultures. They're going to attack you. They're going to. Bring pressure all afternoon. And once they know they got to you, they're like a shark in water smelling blood. They just keep getting after it. And I just don't know if DC right now has what it takes, especially after a devastating defeat to the Tampa Bay Vipers. That could be a season changer. 
Because going in They were the heavy favorite Tampa Bay couldn't do anything right They were 0-3 And they just destroyed them From start to finish They didn't even allow DC to get out of the box And I expect the same thing From this St. Louis defense this weekend Defense travels No matter what league it is If you have a defense They travel As long as the offense gives them points They'll be okay And Jordan Tiamu Is one of the top four quarterbacks In the XFL right now He can beat you with his arm He can beat you with his legs They can beat you with the running game They're just a solid overall team St. Louis should have no problems covering the three and a half this week. And until DC shows that they can get out of the funk, this tailspin is going to continue until they hit the bottom. And right now, it doesn't look like that's anytime soon. The over under in that game. Is 39 That's a doable over But the better play is St. Louis Minus three and a half on the road And the game to close it out It's an unusual time this week It's a later game It's at 9pm on ESPN The Tampa Bay Vipers coming off a very big win. Travel to LA to take on the Wildcats. It's a battle of one in three teams. Both of them got their first victories over DC in the aforementioned tailspin. Both of them were winless going in. Both of them in back-to-back weeks picked off the defenders. They both have some kind of momentum. They both look like they figured something out. I just think that Tampa Bay has it. A little bit more figured out You've seen flashes all season It just didn't click Last week it seemed like it clicked LA Is minus one The over under is 40 and a half Neither team scores a lot of points The smarter play here is to take Tampa plus one on the road against the LA Wildcats coming off a loss on a blocked field goal attempt in the closing minutes of the game against the Guardians last week. And Tampa just seems to have it all figured out. 
The defense has played decent all season. The offense was stagnant at times. But when they put it all together, they're a very solid football team. They should have no problem going on the road. Even going to the West Coast with the time difference, they should handle business and get the second win of the season. And like I said, it looked like a season changer. Because up until this point, D.C. really was a solid all-around team. And they thoroughly trampled them. D.C. is a better team than L.A. Tampa's better than both of them right now. So they should have no problem handling the business. Especially with Quentin Flowers. Being the jack of all trades. And just doing his best to carry the offense on his back. And I'm sorry guys, I don't know if I mentioned it. The St. Louis Battlehawks and the DC Defender game is at 3 p.m. on FS1 on Sunday afternoon. The schedule looks really good this week. There's a lot of games that could flip the standings again. Some teams like Houston and St. Louis could really put their stamp on proving that they are playoff teams and inching closer to clinching their playoff spot. And others are still in the mix. No pun intended. Four playoff spots So they're Gonna give it their best shot And if you guys haven't Download the PlayXFL app The prize is $25,000 A weekend You can play Saturday Or Sunday Or both It's free of charge It's a really fun game Predict the score And it keeps a vested interest all weekend long. If you're betting on the books. You can still play the app. And just have fun with it guys. This league is fun. It's an outlet for people who love football. And the games are very entertaining. And it has that college football feel. Where each week. 
and each win or loss truly matters because it's such a short season each week has extreme value to the winning teams and now we're going to discuss the league leaders And you'll see why certain teams are where they are in the standings based on their stars dominating at their respective positions and how their offenses run through them. The passing leaders... Through the first four weeks, no surprise at number one, P.J. Walker from the Houston Roughnecks. He developed. He always had flashes, but he's put it together. He is, without a doubt, the best quarterback in the XFL this year. He probably won't be there for year two. He's most likely 90%, 95% going to get a call from the NFL. And it'll probably be too hard to pass up. But the kid is a star. He's an absolute star. And he's a major reason why Houston is 4 and 0 and has no signs of slowing down. Jordan Tiamu, St. Louis's quarterback. Another major reason why St. Louis has stormed up to first place in the East. He has 876 yards passing. The offense runs through him. And that team will go as far as he can carry them, both throwing and passing. And they have a legit shot to win the XFL championship this year. The third quarterback is Josh Johnson, who's truly come out of nowhere. After a quiet first two weeks, he's third in the league with 788 yards passing. The Wildcats offense woke up as he woke up. And he's going to look to continue... To carry this offense and try and claw them back up the West Standings. It's going to be a tall task, but he seems locked in right now and he just wants to put the team on his back and carry them. And he's doing that. The fourth quarterback in this league 
is Landry Jones. He has 784 passing yards. Unfortunately, he's going to miss at least two weeks. And that offense is really going to miss him. Dallas seemed to just be hitting their stride. But with him going down, it's a multiple week injury, possibly longer. It's definitely a devastating blow. It's not a death blow to the team, but it is a devastating blow to the team. And we'll see how the team as a whole handles that. And the fifth quarterback in terms of passing yards is Cardale Jones. He's really struggled the the last two weeks. He's really, really struggled. It seems like he just disappeared. It he doesn't look disinterested. He just looks lost out there the last two weeks. He has 674 passing yards. Most of them came in the first two weeks because he's really had two terrible games. In weeks three and four. We'll see if it continues in week five. If the team elects to go another route with Tyree Jackson. Former quarterback at Buffalo. Who's a dual threat. Strong armed kid. If Cardell continues to fail. They have to make a change. Because they're still in the thick of it. And they're too good of a team to continue to free fall. The rushing leaders, really no surprise. Matt Jones. He lost his top spot after leading through three weeks. Devin Smith overtook him with a monster game last week against D.C. Devin Smith has 296 yards. Matt Jones has 244 yards. And Jocks Patrick... Devin Smith's teammate in Tampa is third with 231 yards. These three backs carry their offense weekly. And if Tampa can score some points early and control the clock, they have the best one-two punch in the entire league. They just haven't had a lead To protect. Whereas St. Louis and Matt Jones. Salt the clock on you. They want to run the football. And they do effectively. So the top three backs. Their teams. That's their identity. Running the football. They want to pound the rock. And throw when they have to. And beat you with solid defense. The fourth running back on the list, Cameron Artis Payne, former Auburn Tiger. 
He's really woke up. The coaching staff finally is utilizing his skills. And it's paying off. He has 216 rushing yards through the first four weeks. Dallas is going to have to lean on him with the injury to Landry Jones. He will be a big factor. And it wouldn't be surprising if he started to climb up towards the top one or two spots in rushing yards as long as Landry Jones is out. And the fifth running back on the list is actually a quarterback, Jordan Tiamu, Matt Jones' teammate. As I said, Tiamu is a dual threat, one of the top two dual threat quarterbacks in the XFL. He has 186 rushing yards. He's second in the league in passing and fifth in the league in rushing through four weeks. Matt Jones and Tiamu are the biggest reasons why St. Louis is 3-1. and one, And they've dominated the last two weeks. That's a tandem that is going to carry that team very far. And they should continue to pace the East. The receiving leaders, no big surprise. The top two I had on my MVP watch list last week. Cam Phillips, an absolute monster. He has 333 yards. He is PJ Walker's best option. And those two are a lethal combination together. As long as they stay on the same page, Houston's offense will be dominant. Donald Parham. I said last week the kid was a star. He had a monster game. And he's really come into his own. He has 273 receiving yards on the year. Most of that production has come in the last two weeks. He really gained the trust of Landry Jones. However, he's going to need to gain the trust of whoever they decide to start at quarterback moving forward as long as Jones is out 
but they should continue to lean on him heavily. He's a security blanket, but he's a star. And he can really help whoever is under center in Dallas. Nelson Spruce missed last week. A big reason why the Guardians were able to beat the Wildcats. There's no stopping him. Nelson Spruce is dominant wherever he lines up. Most of the time it's out of the slot. But you can't cover him. You can contain him for a little bit. You cannot shut him out. He missed last week. He still has 256 yards receiving. In three games. He should be healthy and back this week. Expect another big week. Dan Williams from Tampa. Started very slow. He found his footing. And he's starting to look like a top player in this league. He has 252 receiving yards. And he's also the best option in the receiving core in Tampa. With Patrick and Smith, that's a lethal three-headed monster for whoever is throwing the football to him. Quentin Flowers, Taylor Cornelius, even Aaron Murray. Those three will carry that offense and make life easy on the quarterback. And Trey McBride comes in at fifth this week. He had a big game, a big reason why he jumped up to fifth. He has 236 total yards. He and Spruce are a deadly one-two combination. And from here on out, that offense will run through them. And they should be very lethal. LA's offense should turn it around. They've had a few weeks to gel. And it's starting to look like they will turn it around. And the offense will get going and show what they truly are. And we're going to take a jump over to the defensive side of the ball. Really quickly, we're going to look at the sacks leaders and the interceptions leaders because these guys don't really get the attention that the offensive stars get in this league. But there are some stars that should be getting calls from NFL teams. And that New York defense, they get after the quarterback. Kevin Walker has two and a half sacks. His teammate, Jarrell Owens, has two sacks. Cedric Reed is third in the league with two sacks. And Wes Sutton has two sacks. That's three out of the top five from New York. 
Andrew Ankara from St. Louis also has two sacks. That St. Louis defense, I said they're vicious. They get there. They will continue to get there. But that New York defense, three out of the top five. Two plus sacks. That shows what kind of defense the Guardians built. What their identity is. That's playing solid defense. Get after you. Punch you in the mouth. Defense. As long as the offense looks competent. And with Luis Perez under center. They should become the team they looked like early on. And really turn things around. They really need a jolt under center. Dietrich Nichols from Houston has three INTs this year. He's all over the field. He's a ball hawk. He should be getting a call from the NFL very soon. Cody Brown, his teammate, has two interceptions. That combination, when you watch that defense, that defense is all over the field. Those two seem to always be around the ball. They should finish with 9 to 13 combined interceptions. And the more opportunities you give P.J. Walker, the more points he will put on the board. That's a big reason why they are 4-0. You turn the ball over, you give your star quarterback the ball, he's going to score points. You're going to win games. Mike Stevens from L.A., Raheem Moore, from D.C. and Tavarius McFadden from Tampa Bay each have two picks. They look like they're all becoming more comfortable in their respective defenses. The more they get comfortable with the guys playing in front of them, the more they will be around the ball and have the confidence to attack the ball. And I don't expect this list to change much because these five guys are the true ball hawks in this league. There could be a sleeper that creeps up close but these are the ball hawks. And three or four of them most likely will be getting a call to join an NFL secondary. That's going to hurt their respective defenses. But these guys have earned their shot in the league again. And that's what this league is all about. 
progression and trying to get a second chance at their dream. So you guys should really check this league out. It it's actually the games are a lot of fun. They're really entertaining. Not a lot of penalties, not a lot of fumbles. Hard hitting. What we want to see from the NFL, but we don't because there's too many penalties that kill drives that kill Defensive stops This league you're allowed to hit You're allowed to be physical And guys are allowed to be themselves Thank you guys for joining me On another XFL podcast The week 4 review Will be up shortly Thank you guys for joining me I really appreciate the support. Have a good night. This is Dude from In The Mix Radio. What is going on, everybody? This is your boy, Dude, from In The Mix Sports Radio. And we're going to discuss our Week 5 XFL review. The weekend kicked off with the Seattle Dragons on the road to take on the undefeated Houston Roughnecks. This game was a tremendous way to start the weekend. It was a lot of fireworks. But Seattle just fell short in the final minutes. Houston grabbed a 32-23 victory. To stay undefeated. But Seattle. May have given. The rest of the league. A blueprint. On how to contain. An explosive Houston offense. The way. Seattle went about it was shutting down P.J. Walker in the running game. He had seven carries for minus five yards. Up until that point, he was averaging about 40 yards a game on the ground with his legs. Andre Williams... And James Butler kind of picked up the slack. They had 22 carries for 106 total yards. And Butler punched in two short scores. But containing P.J. Walker in the running game allowed him to do bigger things in the passing game he was 27 of 38 for 351 yards three scores and two interceptions 
He's been the most dynamic quarterback in the entire league through the first five games. And a big reason for that is his receiving core. Cam Phillips had another monster game. 10 catches, 122 yards, and two scores on 13 targets. Their third wide receiver, Sam Mobley, had six catches for 95 yards on nine targets. And Nick Holly, who's been a tremendous surprise, but the glue for the passing game, had four catches for 72 yards and a score on five targets. Those three, on a weekly basis when they show up, are extremely hard to contain for the entire game. You can slow them for a quarter, but they're going to get you. You just have to score more offensively. And Seattle almost did it after a fast start led by B.J. Daniels, who started in place of Brandon Silvers. Seattle might be on to something because B.J. Daniels is a dual-threat quarterback who seems to get the most out of his offense where Brandon Silvers couldn't. Seattle struggles in the running game. Kenneth Farrow had 10 carries for 30 yards. Trey Williams had 7 carries for 28, although he did put in a short touchdown. B.J. Daniels was the story. He had 10 carries for 30 yards and 2 touchdowns. He really opened up a lot with his legs. Although his passing line, 14 out of 22 for a buck 14, no touchdowns, no interceptions, wasn't great. But the fact that he didn't turn the ball over was a really big component on why they stayed in this game. Because Silver's always seemed to make that bad head-scratching interception that changed the momentum. B.J. Daniels seems to be more composed and he doesn't try to force as much. We'll see if that continues moving forward. But it was a good outing in his first outing for the offense as a whole. Austin Prohl showed up. He had three catches for 56 yards. And Alonzo Moore finally made some catches and was heard from in the offense. He had three catches for 20 yards. The defense once again got to the quarterback. They had two sacks and two interceptions. And they kind of took the timing out of that Houston offense for a little bit. But their defense and offense finally looks to be on the same page and Seattle 
still has time to make some noise. But the unsung hero in this victory was the Houston defense, who never really gets credit. But they had another four sacks this week. And they really gave their offense every opportunity to come away with the victory. And they ultimately did. That's all you can ask out of your defense on a weekly basis. And through five weeks, that Houston defense has given P.J. Walker... Every opportunity to seize the victory. The second game on that Saturday was the New York Guardians at the Dallas Renegades. Going in, the Guardians were an underdog. Although in my preview, I said the unknown of Landry Jones' injury to that offense would be a big factor and it turned out to be bigger than anybody thought it would because that Dallas offense struggled and with them struggling it leaked into the defense and their momentum. A defense that hasn't been spectacular, but they've been very solid up until that point. But the Guardians took advantage of every opportunity and ultimately just blew the game open. The offense led by backup quarterback Philip Nelson really didn't offer much. An offense that really looked to be clicking with Landry Jones under center really became stagnant. Cameron Artis Payne had six carries for 25 yards. Lance Dunbar had two carries for six yards. This was a running back tandem that really found success in recent weeks. But Philip Nelson, in his two starts, has not led the offense to a touchdown drive. He was 28 out of 49 for 210 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. And he really killed the timing and momentum of the entire team. This team is better than the performance they put out on Saturday, but until they get Landry Jones back, it's going to be tough sledding for both sides of the football. The Dallas defense came up with one interception and a fumble recovery touchdown. That was the only score for Dallas 
minus the field goals. Donald Parham, who's been a rising star, was limited to 34 yards on four catches. You can see the shock of what their starting quarterback means to them. On the other side of the ball, the Guardians offense with the quarterback switch to Luis Perez looked to be gaining momentum. They didn't have a great day. They had a decent day. They got their playmakers involved and they scored when they needed to score and capitalize. And that's what they were missing under Matt McGloin. They now have a quarterback controversy on their hands. Because before McGloin was put out with injury, the offense was on a total down spiral. Under Perez, they've worked their way back. And they're starting to become comfortable with each other. Darius Victor had 58 yards on 15 carries. Tim Cook added 26 on 9 carries. And the third monster in that backfield, James Stockton, had his first 5 carries for 41 yards on the season. These three backs work in solid tandem together based on the situation. And they should continue using all three and their different skill sets. To just beat opposing defenses down and open up the pass for Perez. Perez was 16 of 30 for 229 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Kobe Pearson made an appearance this week. He had five catches for 95 yards and a touchdown. Mikhail McKay had three catches for 67 yards. And T.O. Redding, who hasn't been anything in this offense, showed up with three catches for 46 yards. Perez has spread the ball around. He's gotten his playmakers back involved. The only one that hasn't showed up since week one is Joe Horn Jr. And they need to find a way to get him involved. Because he's a prolific wide receiver for them. And this offense could go to a different stratosphere once he gets going again. New York's top rated defense had three sacks and another two interceptions. They've been spectacular all year. They've given their offense multiple opportunities to capitalize. And with Perez, they're finally doing it. So we'll see where this leads going forward. But if they finally found their stride as a team, they need to just make the switch official and keep moving. Because they're still in a tight race in the East.
Sunday started with a crazy defensive battle with the St. Louis Battlehawks on the road at the D.C. Defenders. D.C. pulled it out 15-6. And their defense was the true story here. Their offense got a lot out of the running game this week with Jarrell Presley, 15 carries for 107 yards. And Danelle Pumphrey chipping in another 37 on 15 carries. But the switch to Tyree Jackson, who I said could possibly be taking the reins after Cardale Jones completely spiraled out of control in the two-game losing streak, added 32 yards on seven carries with his legs, and he was 9 of 14 for 39 yards and a touchdown. No interceptions. He kind of got the offense back on track as far as turnovers go, but they didn't open the playbook. I guess the offense didn't feel comfortable with him yet at the helm. With a week of practice, the offense should look different. But again, the defense really told the story in this one. St. Louis's running game behind Matt Jones and Christine Michael really have pounded people. They held Jones to 70 yards on 13 carries and Michael to 69 yards on 12 carries. But they held both out of the end zone. And they also held Jordan Tiamu to 5 carries and 31 yards. Holding that running game out of the end zone for four quarters is something no other team in the league has done because that's a team that just mauls you with their running game and they just pound pound you into submission and make it tough on you. But the D.C. defense held tough. They won 15-6. to They limited an offense that was picking up chunk yardage plays and scoring touchdowns at will to two field goals. And you have to give a lot of credit to the D.C. defense who added another four sacks to their tally. But D.C. is relying too much on their defense. And it's only going to work for so long. They really need to get their offensive struggles back under control. And until they do, they're going to be in for some real battles with every team. St. Louis... Their defense needs to create more pressure and more sacks. They only added one sack to their tally and one interception.
But they'll bounce back. They have too much talent on the offensive side of the ball to let this loss get them down. They did lose ground and their first place standing in the East, but they will be back. There's no way that this offense will be shut out many times this year. So expect an explosion out of them. And the final game of the weekend was another firework spectacular. The Tampa Bay Vipers went on the road to L.A. And this was a true slugfest. L.A. gets the win 41-34. to Tampa Bay has been mauling people on the ground. They have the best one-two punch in Devin Smith and Jocks Patrick. Patrick added another rushing touchdown to his tally. Devin Smith added another 69 yards to his league-leading total. Taylor Cornelius added five, 45 yards on seven carries. On top of the 300 yards passing and another two scores to his tally, he did have two interceptions. He was 22 or 34. He looked very efficient in this one. He connected with Jalen Tolliver for four catches, 95 yards and a score. He connected Reese Horn, had nine catches, 90 yards and a score. And Dan Williams, who's top five in the league in receiving, added 86 yards to his tally on five catches. But their defense needs to start getting pressure. Another week with zero sacks. They did get an interception. But their defense really needs to figure something out getting to the quarterback. When that happens, it looks like Tampa will be on their way to winning games. But Jerry Glanville has to tweak something and get this defense motivated and after the quarterback. Josh Johnson for the Wildcat offense has been a revelation. He had seven carries for 19 yards. He was also 20 of 36 for 288 yards, another four scores. He did have an interception. But as he goes, this L.A. offense goes. Martez Carter finally returned. 15 yards on five carries after his explosion in week three. He missed week four with a hip injury. He might still be feeling the effects. But if they can get him going along with Johnson, this tandem could make some serious noise moving forward. Jordan Smallwood had 86 yards on four catches. Trey McBride finds the end zone again. He had 35 yards on three catches. He's filled in and taken the number one role as Nelson Spruce missed another game. But when they get Nelson Spruce back, this offense is really going to turn the corner with McBride playing so well and Nelson Spruce being one of the top receivers in the league. Saeed Blacknail had a touchdown this week. He had three catches for 78 yards. 
he hasn't done much since week one. It's good to see him back on the tally sheet. Brandon Barnes had 26 yards and a touchdown on three catches. He's very underutilized. He can be a nice weapon, a nice complimentary piece, but they have too many pieces on offense, so he has his moments here and there. The L.A. defense had a fumble recovery touchdown, another two interceptions, and a sack. They're ball hawks. That secondary loves to get interceptions. They love getting turnovers. They just need to get more pressure on the quarterback. When they do, they will be a complete unit. But this weekend was filled with a lot of offensive excitement, especially in games that you thought were going to be boring, ended up being shootouts, and it gave tremendous excitement to the fans in the stadiums and watching on television. This is a fun league. It was an exciting week of football. And some games really heated up a playoff race going into week six. The season's only 10 weeks, so every game matters. Every win or loss flips the standings. And almost every team is in the thick of a playoff race. And every game is going to come down to a big final defensive stop or a big final offensive drive for a touchdown. And that's what makes this league fun. I hope you guys watched week five, enjoyed it. If you guys played the the Play XFL app, I hope you guys won. Stay tuned for my week six preview, my updated standings. Have a good day. This is Dude from In The Mix Sports Radio. What is going on, everybody? This is your boy, Dude, from In The Mix Sports Radio. And we're going to do our Week 6 XFL preview. We're going to start with the updated standings. Then we'll get into the betting odds, the Week 6 schedule. And we'll take a look at the top five quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs through the first five games of the XFL. In the East, you have the D.C. Defenders at three and two with a minus three touchdown differential. They've scored nine touchdowns. They've given up 12 touchdowns. Three and oh at home, oh and two on the road. They have a one-game winning streak they need to figure out how to win on the road. In second, the St. Louis Battlehawks are 3 and 2 with a plus 3 touchdown differential. They've scored 11 times. They've given up 8 touchdowns. They're 2 and 0 at home, 1 and 2 on the road with a one game losing streak. The New York Guardians are in third place. They're 3-2 with a minus one touchdown differential. They've scored eight touchdowns. They've given up nine. 
They're 2-0 at home, 1-2 on the road. They have a one-game winning streak. In last place, the Tampa Bay Vipers are sitting at 1-4. Minus four touchdown differential. They've scored 11 touchdowns. They've given up 15 touchdowns. They're 1-1 at home, 0-3 on the road. They have a one-game losing streak. They're a team that's treading water. They're not eliminated from the postseason yet. One more loss should do it. They got a tough one this week with the visiting St. Louis Battlehawks. In the West, the Houston Roughnecks are still undefeated at 5-0 with a plus-7 touchdown differential. They've scored 21 times. They've given up 14 touchdowns. They're 3-0 at home, 2-0 on the road. Five-game winning streak. Their biggest scare came last week to Seattle. They pulled out the victory. They're cruising right now. They're the best team overall, offensively and defensively, in the entire league. The Dallas Renegades are 2-3 and three with a minus 3 touchdown differential. They have 9 total touchdowns. They've given up 12 touchdowns. They're 0-3 at home, 2-0 and on the road with a 2-game losing streak. They need to figure out how to win at home. Until then, they're going to be a middling team. The LA Wildcats are 2-3. and three. They're at plus 4. They have 18 total touchdowns. They've given up 14 touchdowns. They're 2-1 and one at home, 0-2 oh on the road. They have a one-game winning streak. They're a team that could make some noise based on the week coming up and the week following. If they get through those with two victories, they could be a dark horse in the West. In last place, the Seattle Dragons sit at 1-4 with a minus 3 touchdown differential. They have 12 total touchdowns. They've given up 15 touchdowns. They're 1-1 at home, 0-3 on the road with a 3-game losing streak. They finally made a change at quarterback. We'll see if they can turn it around in time. Like the Tampa Bay Vipers, another loss mathematically eliminates them from the playoffs. The schedule for this week could change a lot in both standings. It can create chaos based on some of the outcomes. We kick off the weekend on Saturday, March 14th, 2 p.m. on ABC. The Houston Roughnecks are traveling to MetLife to play the New York Guardians. The St. Louis Battlehawks travel to Tampa Bay to play the Vipers on FS2 at 5 p.m. Then on Sunday, we kick off the slate at 4 p.m. on FS1 with the Dallas Renegades traveling to take on the D.C. Defenders. 
and to close out the weekend an exciting game at the bottom of the western standings the LA Wildcats travel to Seattle to take on the Dragons at 7 p.m. on ESPN2 as of right now that game is still scheduled to be played in Seattle at 7 p.m. things could change as the week goes on but as of right now it's still scheduled the betting odds for week 6 this is an exciting week Houston kicks off the weekend as a minus 6.5 favorite over the Guardians the over under is 47 the money line Houston minus 280 the Guardians plus 220 the play here is either Houston minus six and a half or the Houston money line at minus 280. The over is a solid play too. Houston could score at will. The Guardians offense is coming alive. If you want to take a risky play, over 47 would be the way to go there. The Battlehawks at the Vipers. St. Louis is a minus three favorite on the road. The over-under in that one is 42. The money lines, St. Louis minus 170. Tampa Bay plus 145. I would take St. Louis in the minus three. Or the St. Louis money line at minus 170. And the risky play would be over 42. An okay play would be the under 42. The over is risky because St. Louis grinds the clock with their running game. Tampa Bay struggles sometimes offensively. And they're a mixed bag, so you never know what you're going to get, if they're going to help you or not. That's why St. Louis minus three or under 47, under 42, I'm sorry, or the St. Louis money line. Dallas at D.C. Dallas is coming into D.C. plus four and a half. The loss of Landry Jones has really hurt them. D.C. hasn't looked sharp. But Dallas has a great unknown. Phillip Nelson hasn't gotten the job done. And that offense has really suffered for it. The over-under in that game is 35. The money line, Dallas plus 170. D.C. is minus 200. Under 35 looks like the play here. Both offenses have really struggled. Risky play here is Dallas plus four and a half. And to close out the weekend, the Wildcats are two and a half point favorites on the road in Seattle. The over-under is 45 and a half. 
The money lines are LA minus 145, Seattle plus 125. The LA money line looks like the best play. The under looks like a decent play. And LA minus two and a half is the risky play here, even though they should cover that. Seattle struggles to score points. They're averaging about 20 points a game. LA, their offense under Josh Johnson has really taken off in recent weeks. They've got some guys stepping up. And Nelson Spruce could be back this week, which would really jolt that offense. So the two and a half giving is a great play here. And now we'll take a look at the top five at each position. We'll start with the quarterbacks through the first five weeks. P.J. Walker's the cream of the crop and the leading MVP candidate. He's got a 65% completion percentage, 1,338 yards, 15 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. He's a huge factor in why Houston and that offense is clicking on all cylinders, and they'll look to continue that against an up-and-down New York Guardians team. Josh Johnson, out of nowhere, 60% completion, 1,076 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, 2 interceptions. He's really taken the reins of this L.A. offense and given them new life. And when he gets Nelson Spruce back... That offense should reach a new stratosphere. Jordan Tiamu, 72% completion percentage, 1,050 passing yards, five touchdowns, two interceptions. He's completing a lot of short passes. He's picking up yardage. He's got to get his offense into the end zone. They rely too heavily on their running game. He has to pick up the slack and get into the end zone with his offense. Taylor Cornelius, the Tampa Bay Vipers quarterback, seems to have won the job. He's got a 63% completion percentage. He's thrown for 858 yards, four touchdowns, six interceptions. He needs to cut down on the interceptions. And he's got to get his offense moving into the end zone. That offense will go as far as he takes them. And he needs to start pushing the ball down the field more. Landry Jones is still fifth in the league. 70% completion percentage. 784 yards. Five touchdowns. Seven interceptions. He's the guy that makes the Dallas offense go. Losing him, that offense looks lost. They'll continue to look lost until they get him back. And he needs to get back quickly before that team implodes and falls out of the race. The top five running backs 
no surprise, Devin Smith from Tampa Bay. He has 90 carries, 365 rushing yards, 4.1 average, no touchdowns, which is shocking. He leads the league in yardage, but he doesn't score. Matt Jones, he has 80 carries. 314 yards, he's averaging 3.9 a carry, he's got one score, but he's the hammer in the St. Louis Battlehawk backfield, and a big reason why they can control the clock the way they do. Jocks Patrick, Devin Smith's teammate in Tampa, the best one-two punch in the league, he has 60 carries, 254 yards. He averages 4.2 a carry. He's got two total touchdowns. The tandem of Smith and him really should be better. But as a whole, the Tampa offense has struggled early in the season. They're trying to turn it around. If they do, those two guys will be a major factor in why they turned it around. Cameron Artis Payne, after an abysmal week, still in the fifth spot. He has 47 carries, 241 yards, 5.1 a carry, two touchdowns. They're going to rely on him in Dallas to carry that offense until Landry Jones gets back. And a surprise on the list, James Butler from Houston at number 7 has 46 carries, 221 yards, 4.8 a carry, 4 rushing touchdowns, leads the XFL. They thrive with P.J. Walker, James Butler, and Cam Phillips. A big reason why they are so good. And the top five wide receivers, Cam Phillips, Walker, and Butler's teammate. He has 31 catches, 455 yards, averages 14.7 a catch, nine touchdowns. He also leads the XFL. Dan Williams from Tampa has 23 catches, 338 total yards, 14.7 average. He has one touchdown. He's the bright spot in the Tampa receiving core. They will rely on him moving forward along with their 1-2 running back tandem. Donald Parm from Dallas, 24 catches, 307 total yards, 12.8 average, 4 touchdowns. He's missing Landry Jones. They have a solid connection. He needs to build with Philip Nelson to get that offense back moving. Jalen Tolliver in fourth from Tampa, 21 catches, 297 yards, 14.1 average, one score. Trey McBride, 16 catches, 271, 16.9 average, four touchdowns. When Nelson Spruce gets back, they're going to make a lot of noise with Josh Johnson, and they're going to be a team to watch moving forward. And that's all I got for you guys this week. 
That's the roundup for the week six preview. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoy the weekend of football ahead. Hopefully we get some great games. And I'll be back next week for the week six review and the week seven preview. Have a good weekend, guys. Enjoy whatever you guys choose to do. This is Dude from In The Mix Sports Radio.